0: Take this job and shove it. I ain't working here no more. Grandpa, get more coffee right now. Do you want me to get more coffee? Okay, you okay. get some more coffee. That's fine. Okay, thank you. I, of course, in Mary B's number five son. I have four older brothers Jim, John, Joe, Jerry. Noise you've heard at the beginning, that's my coffee maker, Rhonda. When I need a cup of coffee, I always say, of course, help me, Rhonda. When I need an emergency cup of coffee, I then say, help me, Rhonda, help, help me, Rhonda. Thank you, Rhonda, for another great cup of coffee to start the morning off. Welcome again to Coffee Break with Mary B's fifth son. I am Jeff. All right, let's get this week rolling with episode. 101. Yikes. That means it's season three, episode 11? Is that right, producer? Yes. I think we're on 21. Really? Yes. Episode 21. Yikes. (laughs) We're doing this on April 13th. But yesterday, April 12th, 1994, that was the 29-year anniversary yesterday of me meeting Marie Osmond at the Palmer House that my brother Jerry set me up with in uh, when he was a concierge there. Thanks again to my brother Jerry for helping me uh, meet Marie. Yesterday was Dan Loria's birthday. Who was Dan Loria? Dan Loria was Jack Arnold in the Wonder Years. He was the dad. After Ward Cleaver, Jack Arnold was my favorite TV dad. So happy birthday belated to Dan Loria. April 15th. Yikes is claudia cardinelli's birthday if you're hearing this on sunday april 16th yesterday was her birthday claudia cardinelli the most beautiful actress ever i think she's gonna be 84 still looks great follow her on instagram whenever they put something out there they toss a few things out there i will put some stuff on instagram like i did with raquel Welch, and we'll put more with claudia cardinelli wow wowzer and then today is a sad day in chicago sports Because today will be Jonathan Tay's last game skating for the Chicago Blackhawks, they announced. So if you have tickets for tonight, April 13th, you're going to enjoy it. It'll be a sad day, but it'll be a joy watching him play one more time for the Blackhawks. Um, Him and Patrick Kane, this is their last year with the Hawks, brought three Stanley Cups. And he is announcing his retirement. The Hawks said they're going to not re-sign him. So I think they're basically looking like they're the bad guy, which they're not. He hasn't been the same since COVID, I think. So goodbye to Jonathan Tace. Totally enjoyed watching him all the years. I, 15 years he's been with the Hawk. So our opening song there, Johnny Paycheck, written by David Allen Co. Take this job and shove it. So what we're going to do is I'm going to recap all of my jobs through all of my years. And do I remember them? Absolutely. The majority of them I can still name who my bosses were. They change a lot at at and but I still know a lot of them. Growing up happens in a heartbeat. One day you're in diapers, next day you're gone. But the memories of childhood stay with you for the long haul. My first job was a paperboy, 1966, on the south side of Chicago in Bridgeport, delivering the Chicago American. I know I mentioned this in a previous uh, podcast about how during a the snowstorm, these two cops, police officers, helped me deliver the papers. You now, instead of my lazy-ass brothers helped me, they helped me. So it was either 66 or the 67. Next job, when we got back to Chicago in West Pullman, after uh, we moved to California, then moved back to Chicago, far south side in West Pullman, I got another job as paperboy. This time, I delivered the Chicago Today. And then when I needed the money for my orange gym shoes, if you remember, my old man said, if you want to dress like a clown, pay for it yourself. So to buy my orange Converse, I had to deliver, along with the Chicago Today, the Telemet Index, which was a Wednesday and Saturday paper in the uh, West Pullman, Roseland area. So I had to deliver that. And I also delivered a Southtown Economist. And in those early 70s, that's when I worked a couple of times with my mom at uh Demasty catering and then Myers, the uh restaurant that i would help her with once in a while so those were my jobs in the early 70s during high school my old man and i know i'd mentioned this before is when we went to jewel he said come on way to jewel and on 127 halsted walk up to the desk lady says your name jeff i said yeah he said your dad says you're looking for a job Before i can answer it she goes you can start now your dad filled out all the papers Throws me that ugly gold vest and said, go over there and start bagging groceries. And then he leaves. I went in high school, my first job right out of high school. I was, of all things, I was the hardware salesman or cashier at Gately's department store on 115th in Michigan. That lasted, I don't know, maybe for a year. I mentioned the one-year uh, podcast when I got the uh, birthday cake for my mom. That said, I'll always love my mom. And that was from... Lease, where I got to know the ladies in the bakery. That was a nice job. I thought I was set for life. Going to work there my whole uh, thing like John Travolta. Going to in that paint store in uh, Saturday Night Fever. But I was all set. But then everything changed. Neighborhood changed. I then, when we went to Blue Island, I ended up getting a job at the Jewel on 127th and Western as a bagger. They wanted to put me in as the stock clerk in the back, to help when the stores, you know, when the trucks pulled up and this and that. Stayed there for a little bit and then uh, quit, went to California, didn't get a job in California, lived there for, I don't know, about four weeks. Came back, got the job back at Jewel. That's when the old man told me to get a haircut so I could look representable at Jewel on 127 Western. So I worked there, okay, a couple years in a row. <laughs> I worked at Marshall Fields. I worked in the toy section. I worked in the big toys, which were them big, huge, expensive trains. I used to sell. One of the guys used to come in and say it was for their kids, but I always knew it was for them. So I had that job at Fields. Then went to California. So we're looking at 1976 now. Went to California, you know, and in between that. Also, I might add, 76, I was the old man got me delivering beer anheuser Busch or Budweiser out of the Homewood Beverage and 167th and Western was their warehouse. So he got me on I mean, as a a driver's helper, Budweiser. The old man said, do not take any beer from this place. Do not steal a bottle. Don't steal a bottle, can. If the driver says, Six-pack is broke. You can take a couple home with you, or we can, you know, you can drink a couple. And he goes, do not do it. They give you a nice break. He told me, you're 21, okay? You're 21. Remember that. No matter how much they try and say, you know, how old are you and try and trick you or whatever, you're 21. So one driver was like, hey, he was a great guy. I think his name Johnny. He goes, I, you know, you could tell me how old you are. I said, 21. He goes, well, when's your birthday? I said, July 28th. He goes, what year? I said, does it matter? I'm 21. So he's like, well, you can't think that year. How fast your dad didn't coach you on how on uh, how to subtract and add. With uh, to be 21, I go July 28th. I said, I just celebrated my 21st birthday. I said, so, so I can tell you. So when we get back to the warehouse, he says to the old man. He goes, I gotta admit, your son was good, Chuck. He stayed. He stayed right with it. Well, my dad's like, well, yeah. He said he's 21, right? Yeah, that's what he said. He's 21, July 28. So he looks at my dad. He goes, what year was your son born? So the old man took a pull on his luck. He goes, listen. He goes, I got six kids. He goes, you think I remember every year that they were all born? He goes, no. I do know that he was born on July 28. After that, it was good. It was good stuff. I I don't know if I told that story with my brothers. He got my brother, Joe, on. And Joe was helping his old driver named Rudy. And they get to it. It's like 100 degrees out and they get to the 7-Eleven, and they're unloading. The guy would not help Joe bring the beer in. He would not help him. He wouldn't help him stack or anything. So finally, Joe isn't coming back behind 7-Eleven or whatever it was for the beer, and Rudy's looking for him. So he says to the uh, cashier, he goes, where's the guy at? Where's my helper? He goes, oh, he bought a bag of ice. He goes, I think that's him laying out in front. What Joe had done was he bought a bag of ice. He put it on his chest, and he's laying there, and he tells Rudy, he goes, I don't give a shit. I quit. You're not helping me. I don't care. You can tell my dad. I don't give a shit. I quit. I'll walk home. <laughs> the guy's like, well, I'll start up. And he just like, no, I quit. I quit. I'm not going to get up. He's like, I'm not doing this. And it was really good money. Really, really good money. You know, he told me, don't be lazy shit like your brothers. Get in there, and make the money. I did. And I made up enough money to go back to California. I had my second favorite job. So we're looking at 1976, they were doing a uh, census in Riverside. So for a hundred bucks a week, they would give you a neighborhood to go door to door and ask uh, how many people live in that house. And I had this index card I used to punch it out. How many people, you know, they ask you some stupid questions. How much do you make? And blah, blah, blah. Most of the time, the people didn't want to fill it out. Other than then, I would convince them, I just need to know how many people are in this house. That's it. You know, and then they would tell you don't go inside their house and this and that. Well, I would, and I would always go around at dinner time because that's when I was living with cousin Billy and his uh, best friend Larry. We were on food stamps, even though I was making a hundred bucks from the government a week. We were on food stamps, but I was still needed cooked meals. I would go and do the census. It I'd start about four o'clock, and then dinner time was about five. If they realized I was nice and I wasn't a really a government employee, they'd ask me if I wanted to come in and every once in a while, they would ask me if I wanted something neat because it was dinner time, which became my love for Mexican food enchiladas I love enchiladas, oh my God, thanks my mom always made great enchiladas in California, they had the other different ethnic foods in California because it was all very diverse even back in the seventies. I would do that, and then I ended up moving back to Chicago. And then I ended up working at Marshall Fields again. And I was in the uh, shipping and receiving. Okay. I'm there working with uh, Danny Manning. Then I go back to California. I'm working at Bill Ellis Ford. I'm the lot boy. Now mind you, I don't like cars. My uncle Bob got me in as a lot boy. He was a mechanic there. I used to have to open up all the used cars on the lot in the morning with keys okay didn't have like today where you press the button so by the end of my first day my index finger and my thumb were all blistered from turning the key in the cold every morning i had to do that and the first day was like i don't know shit. at least 100 cars on the lot so i had to open up every car door it was terrible it was bad and then I would have to wash them like every Friday. If there was ever a job I did not like, it was that one. I didn't hate it, you know, because I had my radio where I would get young in the the center, but I didn't like it. They ended up firing me. I think because I invented quiet quitting where I just slowed down working. Okay. That's a term they use now when you just do as little as possible. That was me. They shit canned me. I moved back to uh, Chicago. I'm back at Fields. They lay everybody off at Marshall Fields. Everybody gets laid off. The whole shipping and receiving floor and uh, the uh, 11th floor. Danny and I, then, we go and apply at UPS. I might add that when I got hired, I'm sitting in uh, the hiring office, and there's this guy, Jerry Boyajian. I graduated with him from eighth grade, okay? And we're sitting there. We looked at each other, and he's like, Paul, oh, is that you? And I said, yeah. Hey, Terry. I go. Yeah, what's going on? So he had, he had applied there too. I never I didn't see him again after that. Okay. So then we get we both get hired and we're working at the UPS hub in I think Bridgeview on Seventy Third Seventy Third in Harlem. We had to walk down this long road that there were no buses. So him and I would go there the first three days. They put us in an eighteen foot wheeler, eighteen uh, wheeler, and we're all the way in the back. And our job was to unload the truck, put them on a uh whatchamacall everything back then was supposed to be uh on no it was the roller that you put them on and you roll them in a line down it's a metal roller. Oh, like a conveyor belt yeah yeah not a conveyor belt but it was actual rollers old school or old so uh we're in the back of this trailer it's pitch black it's 100 degrees out and it's about 120 in there and every package had to be 49 pounds they couldn't be 50. it wouldn't have been bad if we were in the open but we were in this long dark trailer at the very end and every package was heavy, and then you got to put them on these rollers and then roll it all the way out. had people waiting at the end. So we only had a 10-minute break. So by the time we would get out of the truck and get to the pot machine, it was time to get back in the trailer. Wait a minute. What do you mean you only had a 10-minute break? That's not against the law? Back then, it wasn't. It was a five-hour shift, and we would only get one break in the middle. The fourth day, we're out there, and we're we're sweated up. We're filthy. We stink. He was a great guy, Dan Danny Manning. And, uh, and we got to walk a mile to get to the bus at Harlem. We literally had our arms around each other, walking very slow down the street. Helped each other for that mile. Did I mention he was African-American? So if you want to see diversity at its best, it was him and I. It was like that movie, The Defiant One, with Sidney Poitier and Tony Curtis, where they're chained together. That's what Danny and I, we were sitting on a curb waiting for the bus. He looks at me, he goes, JB? He goes, I ain't coming back. He goes, it ain't worth the money. He goes, I can't do this no more. He goes, this is this is just too dirty, too smelly. They got us in the back there. We, you know, we get nothing. He goes, I'm not coming back. So I looked at and I said, me too, man. I said I didn't want to tell you to. I said I was just going to stiff you and not not show up. He goes, man. He goes, oh, I got your phone number. I already called you. I said, well, you can call me any time. I said, but this is it, dude. We hugged. I don't know, it was 79th in Harlem where we got the, got the bus. He got off. I think it 63rd. You know, I had to get off at like Archer and Harlem and then go up Archer. I, n- I never seen him again, never talked to him again. Just a great guy. That was my UPS job. And still have my UPS ID. I got my first check from UPS. They did pay me for the four days, which was nice. Um, our manager was nice. I, it was just just a terrible job. It was a tough gig, as they say. I get done with that. I get in line at the unemployment on 51st and um King Drive. And I'm standing in line. I'm looking around. I'm like, you know what? I can't do this. I can't do this. I look at a newspaper. There's a job ad for shipping and receiving clerk at Ward Machinery on Washington, right by the, uh, I think it was not front, it was Washington and Canal. So I'm the shipping and receiving clerk there for three weeks. I think it was three weeks. When we drive into downtown, I pass by there a lot, the building the office or where they were at. And they were very nice people, family owned. So I worked there for three weeks and then I got the call for AT&T. And then I became an operator, which was like my favorite job along with that census taking job because in operator services, I got hired on October 12th, 1979. My first boss there was Hazel Reese, who I found out she wrote a book and I ordered it on Amazon. She went through a lot. and She used to always complain about her back. And now I know what happened. She was physically abused by her husband or boyfriend, whatever. You know, just a great, great person. Just a a great lady and uh, a very good manager. I'm like Hazel Reese. That's it for part one of my working career. So join us next week for part two for the the later years of my working career. So that's it for now. Take care. Instagram, which is at Mary B's fifth son. M-A-R-Y-B-S, number five, T-H-S-O-N. Okay, any comments or suggestions, good or bad, send them to our email, which is marybs5son at gmail.com. So that would be M-A-R-Y-B-S, the number five, S-O-N at gmail.com. To my mom, again, who always said two things will make a day go by better. Coffee and a smile. If you put those two together, you're going to have a good day. Thanks again for joining us with Coffee Break with Mary B's Fifth Son. Join us next week. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Jeff Balser. The intro was by Yvonne Two Elements. Thank you. Uh, Production by Downtown Media Works. Join us every Sunday morning for coffee break with mary b's fifth son and you can like and subscribe us on apple podcast and you can also find our website on buzzsprout